There he is. I'm here. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, I believe I hear the guitar gently weeping in the background. Could you do something about that? Hey, Buffalo Bill. Or Bungalow Bill. <laughs> Buffalo Bill. I mean, we can do this, right? We can. I mean, I think I'm out of tune, and my tuner is dead, so. That's fine. Ooh, that's bad. But here we go. We can do a little. Uh, we can do a. Welcome to Masters of Divinity, the 200th episode celebration. I'm your moderator, JP, and I'm here with Padre. Hi, man. <laughs> I should uh, be like shirtless on the lawn. <laughs> What's up, girl? I'm so out of tune. So uh, we, 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 we are talking, what are we talking about today, JP? Today, uh, we're talking about the Beatles' Get Back. Hey, you might notice we're down a guy. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the teaser last week. I, I thought it was actually well-produced, well-executed. You know, it was a creative thing that we all collaborated on, and it, it came out gold. Um, I don't know... If Matt's gonna be here, he should be. Oh, is he pulling something? Is like, he being like? Is he? Pulling is he being a, George or John? George and John. He's pulling a George and a John. I mean, we're gonna be like Paul. We're just gonna start breaking down in tears. Like, and then there were two, right? <laughs> of course that and that that and that is the topic today. Um, we did. You know, it is kind of funny how we arrived at it because. It just kind of shows, I think it shows how much we've evolved in our tastes and what we like to talk about. Um, because initially, my idea was to talk about Masters of the Universe, the movie, uh, with Dolph Lundgren, the canon, the, the classic canon film. And then Chuck was like, oh, or, or we could do The Beatles Get Back, like just throwing it out there. And I'm like, ooh. Oh, I want I want to talk about the Beatles get back. <laughs> and then so once again, we are not talking about our namesake. We're not talking about the thing that all of our branding references. Right. And considering too that there's what like two new Masters of Divin- uh, Masters of Universe shows on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. And like, there's the Shira. The Dolph Gun. Yeah. Show. And then the Shira. Yeah. It's three now then because there's the there's the the reboot, the Kevin Smith led like reboot revisioning reboot of right. the original show and then there's a kid friendly version like a little kids like young like y7 rated version of masters of the universe and yeah. then there's shira princess of power in like thir- the third season or something right and we've talked about none of it i've no. watched none of it no um it's almost as if this whole he-man mm-hmm. branding is just a, a ploy to get that 18 to 35 demographic <laughs> interested hey, in the it, podcast. It worked for Mike. <laughs> it worked for Mike. I do love, like he just said, I was just looking for a, a, a theology podcast and one of them looked like He-Man. <laughs> I was like, that's the one I'm going to listen to. And the first one I listened to was us talking about Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess it works. 
And so, now we're just and now I'm just doing that thing where you're in a college dorm room and somebody just has a guitar and it's just randomly <laughs> while you're trying to have a conversation. Just we were we were joking that because in the spirit of get back, we're going to create we're going to try to create arbitrary guidelines yeah. and come up with a song by the end of the podcast, which we're totally not going to do. But it, I'm going to have the guitar here, much like a uh, episode about Masters of the Universe. It will never come to fruition but we have to do it this way because uh jp is going to start his acting career by starring in uh return of the magical christian which Correct. begins filming tomorrow yes uh so we got to get this done quickly um every, everyone's schedule is going to revolve around me and i'm not even going to say a word <laughs> but i will look very smooth just very smooth textures all over me so this right here is a little, uh, this is a little uh, riff that I've been playing around with since college. Okay. All my life, all my life in the ghetto, sipping on marmalade. <laughs> I don't know why would I sip on marmalade. You know who ate a lot of marmalade? Paddington Bear. Paddington Bear, but also the Beatles during the entire eight hours. <laughs> Just toast and marmalade. I wish I loved toast as much as the Beatles did. I have to admit something. So I uh, around the time that I watched Get Back, yeah. um, I, for, it was around Advent. So Advent is also a time of fasting, much like Lent, but it doesn't get as much you know publicity as a fasting time in a lot of uh, American Christianity. Okay. But I, uh, I decided to take on a Lenten fast, and so I gave up. Coffee, not gave up caffeine, just gave up coffee. All right. And so I was like, I'm going to drink tea. And I was trying to do like green tea and all that stuff. And it just wasn't the same for me because like, there's a ritual around making coffee that I really like. And the idea of just sort of pouring hot water on a bag of leaves is like not the same in the morning. Yeah. But then I watched Get Back and I saw just the copious amounts of like English tea that they're drinking. I was like, oh, <laughs> I could just do that. So I started drinking like Irish breakfast tea with mm -hmm. a little bit of milk, a little bit of sugar. And then I was like, oh, you know, I think I would probably benefit from having a little bit of breakfast in the morning. So then I'm like, oh, toast, butter. I'm like, you know, I've always liked marmalade. It put it <laughs> in my head from those shows. So I spent uh, to this, even now, I'm, I, my, my morning breakfast during most of the week is tea and toast and marmalade. So I feel very much like the Beatles ever since. <laughs> that's, that's interesting because I've, I've thought a lot about taking up afternoon tea. Like going full on British. I have a porch that I rarely get to use. And I need to put it to good use. And I feel like afternoon tea would be perfect for that. You know, it, it, it it's great. Yeah. Okay, so listen. Hopefully Matt will show up. Maybe he'll pull, pull a George on us. I mean, I, mean, I guess we got to have the first meeting. I got it has I gotta, to get... not go well, as the title card said. I know, it's the missing Matt Blues, is what this is. What is I miss my Matt view. Where are you, Matt? It's the Matthew Blues. Matthew Blues. Missing Matt Blues. Missing Matt Blues. Yeah, you got to go down for yeah. the blues, right? So right. it's uh, missing Matt Blues. <laughs> um. So, you know, it, it's it, it was really difficult for me, 
as a moderator, as a person who's sort of the, the skipper of this podcast in a way, um, which is, if you're not familiar, is the person who's like in charge of the rudder of the sailboat. Um, because this, this, this uh, series is three episodes long, but it's about eight hours. <laughs> There's a lot happening here, and I am at most a casual Beatles fan. And I don't say that because I don't like the Beatles or anything like that. I actually, I love the Beatles. And the more I learn about them, the more I love them. And the more I listen to them, the more I, I just never really got around to it, you know. I missed that sweet spot that, like, you and Matt hit pretty early on in your 20s, I think. Yeah. Uh, and earlier than that, I'm sure. I was, of course, in my Nirvana phase, so. Um, in early 90s. In, I think even a Kiss phase at one point. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, speaking of that. Yeah. Just as an aside, um, one of my uh, one of my really good friends from my childhood, uh, he 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 operates surgical robots. That's his job. Okay. He's a, so he's technically a surgeon, but he just controls the robot. The opposite uh, of a battle bot. Yes, um, he uh, apparently is doing a knee replacement operation on one Peter Chris oh. pretty soon. Oh well, big ups there. He like. He called me because he was, and he sent me a text of him meeting with him. He was like, "Because you're the only person I know who'd be excited about the drummer of Kiss." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes." I don't know why, but I'm just imagining he just goes everywhere with his makeup on. Yeah, he, he doesn't have his makeup in that photo, no. But I was like, "It's the Catman." <laughs> um, but no, it was daunting because there's so much happening in this documentary. It's enormous. There's a lot to take in, a lot to process. It was it was hard for me, Chuck. As a as yeah. a casual fan, because there were things happening, I was like, "Is that important?" And I'm watching some YouTube videos to kind of parse what other people are, are saying. And one person was like, "They they said that they freaked out when I think Linda gave Yoko Ono a piece of gum." Yeah, I'm like, "Why is that a big deal? I don't get it. <laughs> They're just sharing gum. What is that a big deal?" Well, because the narrative. All right, let's talk a little bit about the 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 the, the pop culture narrative. Okay, before we get into that, I just want to say like what we're going to talk about. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to kind of break it down. So okay. I think what we're going to really sort of talk about about this this massive series is, uh, I guess, some discoveries, some new some new stuff has come to light about the Beatles and the the mythology behind the breakup and about the the dynamics of the group in general. Um, being uh, watching things just come to fruition, the songs just being pulled out of the ether is probably something we're going to talk about, and just uh, the overall uh, creative process. I think is something. I think that, that those are the kind of things that kind of um, resonate with us and watching this. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about the discoveries. Um, you were saying, Chuck, about a narrative that sort of always existed and how this sort of subverts that narrative a little bit, right? Is that where, we, where you were going? Right. So the, the, the so the standard, the, the 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 before get back, the BGB, yeah, uh, era was that the Beatles were having a tense relationship um, with each other. We're kind of starting to be get, get be at each other's throats. They went to hang out with the Maharishi in India, and that that as an attempt to kind of like help that out. It didn't really work. Uh, somewhere in that 
period, Brian Epstein, their longtime manager, died unexpectedly. And they he's started, gone. Yep. And so they started having a, uh, a, a lack of cohesion as a group. Um, but while they were with the Maharishi, they had started working on a number of songs and all of that stuff. And that was the beginning of the White Album. Uh, the White Album, The Beatles is the official name of that album, comes out and people are really kind of surprised that it's basically a bunch of solo projects rather than a bunch of stuff them as a band put together. Right. So the around this time, John Lennon has left his wife, Cynthia, while having a relationship with an artist named Yoko Ono. Um, the public is quite scandalized by this. I will say one discovery in this, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, was I, I was to realize just how scandalized people were by John and Yoko's relationship. Like, I just never knew that it was such a big deal, but we'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, and that John's obsession, and that, and that Yoko being around, that she sort of inserted herself into the life and politics of the band and put a wedge between everyone and that no one liked Yoko. No one liked her presence. They were suspicious of the fact that she was around during the recording process of this album. And everyone thought that this was going that or, and everyone saw it as she's the one who's, she's the wedge. She's the, you know, she's the, the she devil that has come into the group to break the group apart. And that the, and at this point, the Beatles are at each other's throats. They hate each other. They're barely holding it together. Um, this, the, the, this project that they've come up with to put together a movie and an album is ultimately their undoing. They managed to rally again to put together, um, uh, Abbey Road, which is released before Let It Be, but they, um, but everyone sort of looks at Abbey Road as a Paul McCartney project. It's more his thing, what he wants to do rather than a true proper Beatles album. And then the band Ends. And this isn't helped by the fact that it's well known that George, that George left the band during the process of the get back recordings. The gossip paper, gossip column had picked that up. Yeah. Um, Ringo had left the band earlier over reasons I can't exactly remember. Um, but yeah, so the popular thing is, is that the get back sessions are just a group of guys who don't like each other trying to play at being the Beatles. Right. And if you watch get back, you find out that is absolutely not the case not at all i was very surprised i was taken aback um so let's let's kind of set it up a little if you're not uh quite in the know i'm not sure why you'd be listening if you aren't in the know but i hope i hope you've watched it um but if not basically they have uh the beatles have was it 20 days to cut a new yeah. album uh prepare from for start yeah they sure. have no material. Yeah, they want this fresh isn't, material. Yeah, this isn't like the White Album where they had worked on a bunch of songs while they were with the Maharishi. They had nothing. Yeah. So they have 20 days to... Almost. Yeah. To cut an album. And then they have to... Uh, they're, they're preparing for a, 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 a TV show, right? Like a live performance on television. Yeah. First then, live performance since Madison Square Garden when they quit performing live because the audio equipment like couldn't keep up with the crowds right and the reason why they have 20 days is because Ringo uh, <laughs> as we all know went on to star in one of the most successful pictures of all time the magic Christian opposite Peter with Peter Sellers, Sellers. Yes. right so this is all Ringo's fault hello there he is 
Hey, he's here. Oh, he, he was there. No, he, oh, there he is. All right. I'm here. You, you, pulled, um, a, you pulled a John Lennon on us. That's how I roll. <laughs> um, so you're going to be staring up at the oven. Go ahead. I was just uh, kind of setting the stage for what uh, the documentary is all about. Um, okay. And we just had a good laugh about how it's all Ringo's fault that he had such uh, limited time to come up with something because he was starring in the world-famous, legend, legendary uh, cinematic classic, The Magic Christian. Um, I was really surprised that uh, they didn't hate each other. And also, Yoko uh, didn't really do anything except knit and read the newspaper <laughs> and do calligraphy and um, give Linda McCartney a piece of gum. Um, right. Well, that's the thing, right? Because that, that, what brought that up was you um, remarking how people were freaking out about that. Yeah. That particular instant. And the thing is, is the whole idea was that everyone hated Yoko. But that showed right. they were just girls, you know, they're just ladies hanging out, giving each other gum. Just a great yeah. little casual moment to show that there was no like animosity or acrimony against one another. No, and it's it is kind of funny because it's like the the decades of boomer humor that surrounded y- Yoko Yoko Ono. Right. Um, I mean, I remember like the uh, sort of the famous Dennis Leary bit about how a guy had six bullets and none of them hit Yoko. When John Lennon was assassinated, a woman does not deserve the hate she gets. No, not at all. I mean, she's a little weird. Yeah, but that's why John Lennon loved her. Because he and, was. I mean, she's she's very weird. If you've heard her music, but weird is not a reason to be hated. I embrace weird. I'm weird, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> and I actually maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself because this is so much more towards the end but i really loved the part where whenever yoko kind of joined in on the singing she did her weird you know yoko yelling into the mm-hmm. into the microphone when heather mccartney showed up and she saw yoko doing it and so she started doing it too <laughs> i thought that was kind of adorable like oh that's what singing is okay i can do that <laughs> all right john all right all right all right J- jp yeah. give us give us some yoko screaming all right you ready I hope none of our audience has no. cats. Hey, so Matt, we're uh, we are we are. I also we we also talked. That'd be funny if I break my guitar out and we create an arbitrary uh, thing. We're going to try to come up with a song by the end of the podcast. Oh, okay, okay. We, uh, we already had uh, the Miss and Matt Blues going for a little while here. Yeah, showing the Miss and Matt Blues. It's a work in progress. Miss and Matt Blues. <laughs> nice. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's something. But... <laughs> Well, I just want to say, like, but I think that what's kind of amazing about this uh, documentary kind of reshaping history is it's it's almost like the opposite of what Disney is known for, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because the big thing about Disney is like they're very heavily, they very heavily re re envision things from like history to uh, you know old fairy tales, like the whole idea that like they took these sort of 
frankly terrifying folk tales and turn them into children fairy tales is a very Disney thing to do. And even the sort of revision of revisionism of their own historical figures, like Walt Disney, uh, you know, not showing him smoke in that one movie that was a saving Mr. Banks. Uh, although they, they did not uh, shy away from him coughing, which is, you know, good for them. Um, but this is sort of the opposite of that. This is not revisionism. This is actually showing what really happened. And one thing I really loved about it was that I kind of liked just having it on. I liked yeah. that it was just like a fly on the wall style documentary, cinema verite. There's there was no interjections from like D Snyder. Be like, man, you know the Beatles were like the best, man. I mean, no no offense to D. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's so many of those documentaries. They have all those talking like, oh, we had to we had to chime in from today's stars to hear like about their influence or whatever. Um, but thankfully, Peter Jackson did not do that. And so I like just being able to hang out with the Beatles because that's something. This is a kind of document I think that that's never really existed before in terms of like getting to know the Beatles. Yeah, and it definitely felt like you're hanging out with the Beatles. Oh yeah, totally. Like I could, I honestly could have gone for another eight hours. <laughs> I could too. I mean, I, 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 I hope this kind of busts open a whole new genre. Like I would love to see something like this about like the making of Star Wars. You know, oh, there, I want to see, uh, see the making of Graceland. That's what I want to see. There is a very long, exhaustive recording of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg just like brainstorming Indiana Jones, just coming up with the character. See, that's all cool to watch. It's all transcribed. You can read it. Um, but it's like it's like, a, it's like eight hours long, I think. Um, but like it's just them coming up with Indiana Jones. I would love to hear that. Like if someone kind of took that, and, and I also kind of think it's sort of feeding into this. I think this new trend is sort of evolving. Um, that kind of came along with the pandemic, and also sort of like the trends of like things like ASMR and ambience. Like you and I were just talking about how you just found a sort of Star Trek ambience videos with the nasals that you can just listen to all day while you do work. I think that's the that's sort of the beginning of a new genre, and um, there's even YouTubers who make like six hour long videos, and they, they're becoming like immensely popular because people like to just have them playing while they do mm -hmm. stuff, you know. Not so much in the same way as a podcast, maybe in the same way as podcast. I don't know, um, but it's slightly different. So, those are sort of my reactions as like a casual. Beatles fan and of course you know I'm, I'm always a fan of like watching the creative process happen especially when you're trapped in a studio and you have to bounce things off of each other and you just watch them pull stuff out of the ether I mentioned right. what you guys think just sort of overall like was it uh, uh, I don't know well, I want to know what you guys think who wants to go first just sort of general oh, comments well, I don't I don't have much to go with because like big Beatles fan but it almost was too much like hanging out with them. Um, <laughs> that was kind the of overwhelming. Where, well, to the point where like, I'm listening to you talk and I'm going, I'm not even sure I watched it. It was on, <laughs> but I don't think I watched it. <laughs> like, yeah, I just was like hanging out in the room with them doing what I needed to do while they're like, you know, changing history and stuff. And I'm just like, whatever, I'll just, uh, do the dishes or finish what <laughs> I need to do in the office. Um, you guys keep writing your thing. I'm going to be uh, sending my letters for work. Like I, yeah. I'm listening going, wait, what, what did happen? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, 
there's a, a, a whole lot of like I was I felt like I was sitting on a stool in the middle of the room watching them work and I was just doing my thing. Like Yeah, you're one you of those guys, guys do your just thing. I'm gonna do mine. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those guys that was there in the background. Yeah, it's kinda like if I were the probably the guy recording it. He probably has no idea what he records, you know. He's just like, Yeah, I'm gonna hit play and then oh crap, I need to charge a battery and plug the camera in and change the film and like they're talking and he's just going, Oh, and I gotta get home tonight and make dinner and but yeah. <laughs> what I yeah. what I felt like. <laughs> I love. I, I mean, without getting, I'll get into some more other stuff. But one, I just want to know. One of the things I loved watching it is just the little details. You know, like I loved that there were ceramic coffee mugs kind of just everywhere, and <laughs> I love watching like Mal Evans bring in plates of toast just all the time, and the and the like. You know, people have newspapers. You know, there's not like phones. Nobody's just sitting and playing on their phone. There's not like phones plugged in, charging everywhere. And um, you know, there's just all these you know people hanging out, hangers on, just around. You know, just, just hanging out. And to see you know that that sort of the group of people that were in the orbit of this band that we have mythologized and almost we've almost made them like otherworldly beings. To see, well, you know, to like have a moment where Ringo is sitting in the in the in the processing booth and is just like I farted, <laughs> you know. Uh, it was you know it was just great to see the, you know, these very human people, and especially John Lennon, because you know John Lennon to me, he's he was very his image was very crafted, and the kind of person that he was was very crafted. You know, he wanted to if he if when he was the artist. The tortured artist he wanted that to be the image that you saw when he was the radical peace activist that was the image you saw you know he was very serious in a lot of the public stuff that was that, that was out there at least the stuff that i've consumed like books of his and i books about him that i've had and you know things like that to see him just goofing off playing skiffle music with paul was just such a great thing to watch right. um to note what day he washed his hair was kind of you know you knew what you know because they he had some greasy hair dude they all had a kind of greasy look to him yeah and uh was it john john for continuity sake to me that comment who wore the same shirt and vest combo for several days in a row <laughs> um and because uh, he makes a comment about it he's like my underarms he's like are probably disgusting right now because i keep wearing this for continuity's sake um because they were all asked to wear like the same outfits for continuity what a dumb idea that's hey bl blame a uh, blame a uh, hog michael, michael Lindsay hog yeah um, yeah blame that hog yeah i'm i'm actually kind of like matt i'm i was like half and half there are times where i'm like all right i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna witness history and i'm gonna write down <laughs> all these notes i started like i started writing down like everyone's names like as soon as they popped up on screen i'm like i have my pad. i'm like writing down all the names so i know like who everybody is and after a while, like they kept, they just kept introducing new people more and more and more. I'm like, okay, I don't think that's, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> it's not gonna help me. Um, but then, like, every now and then, I would just kind of zone out and, like, you know, hop on Twitter. But then, kind of zone back in and, like, witness, you know, get back, just forming out of mm -hmm. nowhere. Well, I mean, it just. It, it was watching what I would still say is one of like the greatest bands ever just because yeah. of 
what the impact they had on history and stuff. But watching it and going, well, this is a lot like being at the rehearsals for the friend of mine from high school who had his own band and their music was not history making, but watching them sit around and being like, yeah, this is cool. I'm like watching the garage band, man. Maybe someday there'll be something. And it's like, I'm sitting there just, you know, just hanging out with the guys with this George and John and Paul and Ringo. And (laughs) yeah, let's just see, let's just see what happens. But it, to the point though, where, like I said, it's, I found myself going, wait, I don't have any idea what I'm watching. I'm just hanging out with them, letting my mind wander on everything I need to do. <laughs> right. See, I, I watched this. I didn't even have a phone in my hand. Like, I just was like rapt attention for eight hours. Not straight. I broke it up over several days. Right. But I, um, I was, uh, yeah, I was really, I was really fat. I mean, I wasn't like, oh, here's this. I got to watch this, you know, because I'm going to catch some kind of historical you know thing or whatever like the whole thing was to me was catch it was capturing you know some historical stuff and i and the fact that peter jackson wanted to use footage that hadn't been seen in the first documentary the let it be documentary the one that added to the idea that this was a really acrimonious time the way it was edited um which by the way i think the reason why let it be was edited the way it was was more a reflection of the bitterness that the people had toward the beatles breaking up Right. People are looking for someone to blame. Someone looking for, you know, all that stuff. And I think people were just angry at them. For well, you had mentioned something. Ending. You you and I were talking last week after the episode we recorded just a little bit. You had mentioned something about how Hogg was probably trying to make things a little bit more sensational just to have like a different view of like what how people view the Beatles. Yeah. So that was so Brian Epstein, uh, their manager, you know, discovers them, right? They're, they're discovered as just, you know, there's this rock band and they're drawing big crowds in Germany. Um, and so Epstein realizes that he has a marketable product on his hand. And so he creates the Beatles as we understand them, right? The mop tops, the matching, um, the matching sort of Mandarin suits, the whole thing. Um, and Epstein is really big on maintaining them as a sort of clean, family-friendly you know, good like lads. a boy band. They're good lads. Yeah. The idea that they've come from just busted Liverpool and, you know, had been like, you know, we're not unfamiliar with popping Ben's Ben, um, like, 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 uh, like benzene or whatever. Epstein, you know, hid the fact that they were smoking weed and starting to experiment with drugs. And, you know, it, it was, yeah, they had this very particular crafted image the public had. And, I think as people learned that it wasn't so squeaky clean, there was scandal. That's why I mentioned the whole Yoko Ono thing, right? So, you know, John married Cynthia pretty early on. If I, if I remember correctly, they even hid the fact that John was married because there was concern that, like, the girls wouldn't buy their records if they thought they didn't have a chance with John. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they downplayed all of that. And I think and I think when Cynthia, when it found out that he was married to Cynthia, that I, I feel like I recall reading something somewhere. She was like the most hated woman in, in the world or something because like she took John or whatever, you know, and he had a son with her. Um, they had been I think I feel like they were even married before the band was big. Um, but, you know, John just straight up. Like cheated on her with Yoko. 
and just sort of decided he was just done with that marriage and then was with, with and was with Yoko and they were, you know, and I'm, I'm almost positive, too, that their divorce wasn't even finalized until after Let It Be. So during the during this session, he's still married to Cynthia and Yoko's around. And so people are, you know, so I think part of it is they're scandalized with the fact that here's like this supposedly upstanding young man who's just in an openly is just openly cheating on his wife. Yeah. And then, of course, in just good old let's let's talk about classic British racism. She's Japanese. And so why would he leave this good Anglo girl for this Japanese avant-garde artist, right? You know, so I think there's that in the background, mm-hmm. um, and it's and so she becomes a convenient target to blame in the breakup of the Beatles, right? She's the she's literally the alien, right? She's the Japanese woman who came in and changed everything. Um, but what he, what you see with Get Back is the re, that the real reason the Beatles broke up was far more boring. It was yeah. that they were growing up. And they wanted to just do different things in life. And one of the things that, that you talk about surprises to realize that they were all under 30 while making know. this just blew my mind. And to start thinking about where I was at that age. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I, you know, if I had I, I didn't want to do the same things that I was doing in my early 20s by right, that time. Right. And they had been a band this whole time and they were just looking for something else to do. And they just, you know, they, they just wanted to go their separate ways. And I think there was some resentment on. You know, there's definitely some animosity and resentment between Paul and John over this. I mean, because obviously there was some some harsh stuff exchanged by the two between the two of them over the years. They stopped being friends for a very long time. Um, And if you know, like they wrote songs kind of sniping at each other after the Beatles were broken up. But I also wonder reading an interview with Paul recently after Get Back came out, he talked about how he bought into the narrative of how things ended with the Beatles because of the Let It Be documentary the original documentary and he said watching this again made him realize that his memories about the whole thing were wrong and so that makes you wonder too like how much animosity did john and paul have toward each other because of this kind of crap Mm -hmm. it was itself was manufactured because i mean think about it you're picked up in your 20s you don't know much in life and you have somebody telling you here's how to live here's how to act here's how to present yourself and then that person just dies and you're trying to carry on like you're just your whole life is manicured and managed and you know, I just think that there's a lot of a lot of a lot of manipulation that went on with these people. That's probably at this true. Time. And that's uh, something I think a, a lot about is how the Beatles grew up. Um, you know, when you consider that when they first got together as the Beatles, you know, the whole point of their branding was that they all looked alike right they all had the same haircut mm-hmm. they wore the same suits they all had the same accents they all from livable um right and it created that sorry to interrupt but it created that thing that we saw later with like the spice girls right, right. yeah you know most, like, like, like the like fact that we like had like sporty band. spice posh spice you have cute beetle quiet beetle um yeah or like the wonders we all know what happened to them uh formerly the only eaters yeah yeah <laughs> uh tales all this time um but oh, I wish I knew doing that thing you do. I play, <laughs> but that's that's the thing that really stuck out to me is that there, the reason why it ended is because you can't just you can't just be the Beatles. Like, what does it mean to be the Beatles? Like, you're gonna grow up, you're gonna become a different person. They they outgrew whatever this machine was, you know. Right. They're, they're growing beyond it. They're becoming their own people. You know, John was becoming 
um, very involved with avant-garde stuff and becoming an activist. Uh, Paul was wanting to be a, a, more of a family man, which is hilarious because he was like 25 years old. Um, well, and, and, and their musical tastes too were different, right? Because you know, yeah. like you said, you know, John's doing a lot of the avant-garde stuff. I mean, you think about, you know, like... So was Paul, I guess. He's draw- yeah, Paul did some... Um, yeah, because a lot of people are actually surprised that Paul McCartney is the one who did Helter Skelter. Yeah. Um, everyone thinks that's a John Lennon piece, but that that was Paul. Um, but John, you know, of course, did like I Am the Walrus, which draws from the poetry of Lewis Carroll. So it's a very strange, weird song. Uh, but Paul, you know, Paul, of course, gets accused, uh, gets accused of wanting to do what John would call these like these like he would use the he would talk about faggy stuff like he wanted to do like all these gay little love songs and stuff and that led to paul writing that song silly love songs which is a rebuttal to john um but that was sort of paul's paul's much more like a pop rock guy right and john is more of you know was wanting to do more like weird stuff but the the, what what i'm trying to get to here is that um the, the being the beatles meant like you know selling out stadiums and being this huge machine and it didn't mean being a musician anymore where you just like a few guys making music it was so much bigger than that and they didn't want they didn't want to be that anymore they want to just be musicians they want to make music with my mates you know like that was like their whole thing and um even peter jackson i watched an interview with him on uh, colbert where he said that uh it actually kind of reminded him of lord of the rings when Frodo says, um, you know, we saved the Shire, but it's not like a, the world for me or something like it, it didn't save me. So it's yeah. like he can't live in the Shire, this world that he saved. It's kind of the same thing. They can't really be the Beatles anymore. Right. They can't like make music and be the Beatles. They have to do their own thing. So I don't know. I, I find that to be like really fascinating. And also it, it, it I think it really speaks to our kind of current pop culture climate where we want things to exist forever. So, and it's interesting kind of watching that unfold because when you see them together recording this, you see their distinct personalities and how they're interacting with each other and how there's some friction and how they're getting along. Like I, 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 I was constantly feeling bad for George. Not so much Ringo. Ringo didn't seem to care. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but whenever like, John and Paul would start like riffing off one another. One another. There's like a part where they're actually like eye to eye, coming up with a mm-hmm. song, and George is just like off the side, like mm, okay, <laughs> like I have songs too. <laughs> and he's like, I think I'm leaving the band. Yeah, well, and, and as, as I've said before, uh, the masterpiece that is "All Things Must Pass" is. Uh, just nothing but songs that George had written that the Beatles had just not stuck in. <laughs> right. Um, but what, of course, is fascinating is they play, they do play All Things Must Pass. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the song they play. Or, or, or is it My Sweet Lord? One of the two they play. I think it was All Things Must Pass. And I'm, I'm only know, yeah. I only know that because I watched a YouTube video that, that said it. <laughs> yeah. And I love watching the Beatles play All Things Must Pass. That was yeah. so cool because I love that song. I love I that did. album. And I will say, like, if we're going to get into some parts that we liked, I loved that after George left, it just became like a metal show. Yeah. Like, they just started wilding out, like, just going nuts, losing it. I think that's when they brought Yoko in just to start screaming in the mic. 
Oh, speaking of bringing people in, Billy Preston, guys. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Oh, man. I love that guy. Yeah, the the mood totally changes when they bring him in. Well, I think the, and that was the plan was he was the fifth Beatle. They were going to they wanted him to be a permanent addition. Right. And I wish that had happened because he's such a good just oh, he was so good. And he brought just such a new life and energy into what they were doing. And yeah, even though I'm a casual fan, I actually didn't know that he was on the roof with them. Yeah, I didn't know that. He is also the only person outside of the four Beatles to get a songwriting credit on a Beatles album. That's awesome. Yeah, well, other than like good. their early stuff where they're covering people or whatever, but yeah, I did think it was pretty awesome. Like when he comes in, like the mood, just, the vibe just completely changes. And I think even George even yeah. says like doesn't even say like good vibes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they, they man, they loved that guy. They loved his music. He he was a great keyboardist. Um, can we can we talk about real quick the the just casual drop. Of like George leaves the band and the next day they're like, Well, I guess we just bring in Clapton. <laughs> like, yeah, just get Eric Clapton. No big deal. <laughs> you could get Eric. Yeah, they, and they did that again because they were talking about making Billy the fifth Beatle. And I think George yeah. was like, Oh yeah, we can get Dylan too. We can get Bob Dylan. He can he could be the sixth one. He's <laughs> like, Oh yeah, let's just keep bringing in people. <laughs> It just becomes a traveling will breeze at that point. Yeah. Um, Matt, were there any parts partic- uh, in, in particular, like throughout the series, that stuck out to you that you enjoyed? No. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it no, wouldn't surprise I, me if you like, said no. <laughs> no, it really is. Really, is my answer is just no. But, um, but I, it really was to me. It was just hanging out with them. Yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, I mean, I'm listening to you guys talk and I'm not interjecting because I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Like watching the breakup and realizing that just like I said, it's like hanging out with the high school band that's yeah. practicing in their room. And you realize they kind of broke up for the same reason. Like, um, it's just, <laughs> yeah, this isn't what we are anymore. And like, let's move on. And, and we forget that like just because they were mega stars there's still just people and at some point they reached a an end of this group that was doing the same thing over and over and although we all wish that they kept going and made more of the same thing they were like no we don't want to do that anymore yeah and it really is like that's like the end of it is (laughs) yeah Yeah, we're just kind of done okay um and then you know like or Yoko, she, she doesn't deserve all the hate that comes her way, and I knew that before, but now it's even more so like, yeah, poor Yoko. Like, you're just just the crazy lady who was hanging out with them, and we all wish we could have been there too. So, like, we're just jealous is all it is. So we blame her for the breakup, but we're just jealous that we weren't there screaming on the record. That's all. They're, just, they're jealous of her so. calligraphy. That was beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. I got I, I've got some mad handwriting skills, so maybe I could, <laughs> could keep up with that one. But, <laughs> um, but no, I, I would love to say, yeah, let me give you my deep thoughts on this one particular piece. But it was like a billion hours. How did you feel as a former officer of the law watching those cops <laughs> having to break up the Beatles <laughs> during their rooftop um, concert? <laughs> 
were you for a minute glad that you didn't have to be that guy? So, like, how I said we were all jealous of Yoko and just wish we were there. Yeah. Um, we're all just, thank God we didn't have to be those poor people. Like, <laughs> like for real. Um, all yeah. the Beatles mania stuff. Like, I can't imagine. Uh, let's let's do a random law enforcement POV. Um, just Beatles mania in general. Like, to be the police oh. officer who's got to, like, carry out the woman that passed out because she's screaming <laughs> at somebody. And you're like, I've been working for 12 hours straight. And this is why I'm not home right now with my family. Like, <laughs> I'm on fainting much, teen girl detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just yeah, carrying yeah. them like shoulder to shoulder, like just. Uh, throw I, can, them in the I can imagine. I could definitely imagine if you could go back in time and talk to them. It's like, so what do you guys think about the Beatles? I hate the Beatles. Like, I just, I want to go home at the end of my shift, and now I got to go watch these people like storm cars and pass mm. out and scream and yell and, um, yeah. So. One no, one I'm thing, very, very glad. One thing I noticed about the police officers is something that I have experienced several times in my encounters with law enforcement is that there's always two types of police officers that show up and they usually show up together. One is like Mr. By the Book. Like we've got to do the it's the law, it's the rules. We got to do it. And then there's the other guy who kind of street smart and knows really what's going on and decides to kind of like, eh, I don't know. Because uh, like this one time I was almost arrested for something. Uh, that was my situation. <laughs> for, and I, for something. Yeah. All right. yeah. uh, dumpster <laughs> diving. And uh, <laughs> that's a story. Um, I was slammed up against the side of a car. Um, oh, boy. But, like, there was the, the, the cop who put me against the car uh, was very much uh, Mr. Uh, by the books. Then there was the other guy who clearly knew that we were up to something, and he decided that forcing us to dig through trash was much more interesting than like calling it in. So, uh, but I just noticed <laughs> that during the Beatles, uh, rooftop concert, that deal, there's one cop that is kind of, you can just sort of tell from his demeanor that he's like, ah, what's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know I have to do this, but, uh... and then you can also tell he's like, I know they're giving me the runaround right now. I know they're stalling. I know what's happening here. We'll get to it eventually. And he kind of is like, I kind of wish I could just listen to what's yeah. going on out there. It is pretty good. I... It's pretty... <laughs> yeah. You can tell there was that one cop that was sort of like that. Yeah. Um, but the main one that you see is the one that's like, keeps wanting to like talk specifically to Paul McCartney or whatever. Yeah. It wasn't even and, really the cops who ended it. Right. It was, what was his name? Was it Mal? Something? Mal Evans. Cause, yeah. Cause I saw he's like by the, the, their uh, amplifiers. He started turning them down. And, and was it George? You just straight up turned it back up. Like, yeah. No. I, think so. I, I, I could see in Paul McCartney's eyes that he was hoping those cops would, would haul them off. So that's what they wanted. <laughs> yeah. They did want to get you, arrested. Um, yeah. You forget the third kind of cop that way back in the day when we used to record in an office together in the same state. Remember yeah. those days? Good old days. I remember those days. And we'd finish at like midnight when we were supposed to be gone and we're in this dark parking lot because we stayed way after the building closed down. And you're, you're forgetting the third policeman who pulls up, shines a spotlight on you and is like, Look, if you're going to loiter, at least drop a lure because Pokemon Go had come out the day before. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he, That's a street, he's street, like street. wanting to play. A street smart cop, yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah, that cop, that cop wasn't even in Apple Studios. He was just outside 
yeah listening <laughs> pretending like he doesn't hear anything but he's also listening intently my here's the thing i was talking to kane about this it's like I, you know you, the movie of course presents the the rooftop we know the historical element the, behind the rooftop concert right yeah. but for a moment i tried to put myself in the perspective of the old woman who got interrupted from her nap and was very upset about it yeah. um and i realized it's very contextual how my feeling is on a band playing a rooftop concert because it's the beatles all right it's the beatles if it were nickelback <laughs> if it were creed hollywood undead if it yeah if it were it depends on the band right 21 pilots you know if imagine dragons imagine dragons <laughs> if machine gun kelly tried yeah. that nonsense yeah i would uh i would look for megan fox and then i'd call the police that's his one billy joel no he's out of there what billy, billy joel. joel i only listen to 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 to, to doo-wop billy joel Stric- nothing else strictly we're strictly 80s joel <laughs> <laughs> uptown girl i wish i could play that too i don't know any joel songs yeah um, I'm actually not a very good guitarist. I just hope everybody knows that. Um, I, before I go on, I do want to mention for we, we we've mentioned him a couple of times. Michael Lindsay Hogg, um, who this whole thing wouldn't have happened at all if it wasn't for him. He caught so much footage. I think it was like sixty hours, right? Is that is that the number? Yeah, it's like sixty hours of footage, and then he has like a hundred and fifty hours of just audio. Yeah. So the things I heard that he employed. Um, he didn't want them to really acknowledge that they were being filmed. And so some of the tactics he employed was he did things like, um, you know, these are old film cameras. So they had like a red light to tell you when they were filming, he would tape up the red light. Um, he would tell the Beatles that, Hey, we're all going on break, but then they'd like leave a, a, one of the crew members behind to pretend like he's not filming just to see what they can get when they're not around. And then of course the big famous one, is putting the microphone in that uh, flower pot while John yeah. and Paul were having a very intimate conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, he was, he's a little stinker, that guy, that Michael Hogg. He really, yeah. but I think he did a great job, even though he was kind of insane. Like his ideas of like doing a, the, a concert in Libya, like yeah. that Coliseum, or like at a, what did he say? He's wanted, he wanted to do it like, at a children's hospital, but not like one with sick kids, but like kids with like broken arms. Like, <laughs> yeah, the right kind of sick kid. Yeah, <laughs> um, but not but, terminal. Yeah, but like you know, let it be aside. His his actual process of capturing everything is is really amazing and awesome, and uh, I definitely I, I commend him for for getting everything that he caught and that this is just all stowed away. For so long, and um, of course, Peter Jackson came in, and I, I don't, I'm, you know, this is so. It almost feels like this is what Peter Jackson is what this is what he's been preparing for. Mm-hmm. Most people would probably be preparing for Lord of the Rings. No, 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 not Peter Jackson. <laughs> he had to do Lord of the Rings first, like that was his crawling, right? Um, and I think it's so. It's really interesting when you kind of look back at his career and some of his mm-hmm. more important. His more important works, like Lord of the Rings, was just like sort of compiling and, you know, putting together what's already been there and to show everybody that people maybe don't really know much about, right? And then he made a documentary uh, a few years ago. Uh, what was it called? 
crap. Oh, you're talking about the one, the World War One documentary? Yeah. I can't remember. No, I think it's it. called "They'll Never Grow Old." That's it. Yeah, where it's uh, colorized and beautiful, high definition. I haven't seen it personally, but I, I hear it's amazing. Um, same thing, and that's just like, and, and now he's doing this, where it's like it's already there. He just has to make a, he just has to put it out there as a story, but he doesn't, he doesn't in the true Peter Jackson way, where it's like, no, it's got to be the real story. I can't cut any corners. We got to show it the way it really is. And I've heard people like actually ask him, like, is there a two and a half hour version of this? And he's like, no. Like you can't, like you, you because the the most important thing in this documentary, first of all, is the rooftop concert, and the rooftop concert is forty minutes long, so that means, and you know, the the actual recording of everything it was like twenty twenty days, so that's like that's like two minutes per day, leading up yep. to a forty minute concert for a two and a half hour long version of this, which just wouldn't work. Um, so I don't know, I. Like I don't think Peter Jackson is necessarily being indulgent when he makes it like this. I think he just understands like this is what it has to be, and I think it comes from being so intimate with Lord of the Rings and that documentary he made. They'll never grow old, and perhaps even <laughs> maybe even King Kong. Maybe this means I need to be I need to go easier on King Kong's runtime <laughs> because I do think that's like the worst thing about that movie. I don't that know. It was a slog. Yeah. Um. But uh, I don't know. I think it's fascinating that it was Peter Jackson that did this, and it, it really does feel like he's the only one who could have done it. And yeah. um, I'm now really interested in seeing like where his career goes, and I hope he does more interesting things, not just like, you know, I'm, I'm sure Lovely Bones is good. I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, but I, I, I hope I hope this opens doors to you know, much like James Cameron is now more of an experimental filmmaker than anyone out there at this point. I know. <laughs> he's he's ascending to his James Cameron uh, 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 plane, is what Peter Jackson is doing. By the way, Avatar 2 is coming out this summer. And is there's it? no trailer. We don't even know the title. Or this, or December. It's coming out December. Oh, boy. It's I know Matt's excited year. about that. You know I'm excited about it. Um, beyond, beyond words, excited um, got my I've got my guy up there <laughs> i can't i can't wait to, no i can't even pretend like i just don't care but maybe it'll win like yeah, maybe it'll win me over Chuck, maybe the second one's what it's all about it's gonna be awesome we'll, we'll find out i'll be there or it's james How cameron's first Spider-Man movie I... <laughs> hey let me tell you about spider-man no way home i was excited last night because i i, I put on the amazon plus and uh, Amazon, Amazon TV or Prime, Prime TV, what are they called? Prime Video, whatever. <laughs> I put it on. The Amazon Plus. Yeah, whatever. And uh, there was like, this big banner for Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, oh, my gosh, it's on here. I'm going to watch it. I hit it. It was like, buy it for 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Like, you misled me. You made me think that I could watch it. Yeah. Um, you can for 20 bucks. Yeah. But, like, I thought it was included <laughs> with my thing. Just, so I need to go to the theater and watch it. I was going to go see the Batman. I haven't seen that yet. But, um um, we're so bad, so bad. Here we are. There's these big things that we weren't talking about. Those we're talking about. Get back. I haven't watched it because I'm still kind of nervous about the pandemic. Like, it's just me. You know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I just it's the rigor. Well, you live in a nice state, okay? <laughs> you live in a state where people actually care about it. Um, True. But 
No, I, I mean, I, I'm excited to see where Peter Jackson goes. Hopefully it's something that resembles uh, the Star Wars Star Cruiser. Somewhere between the Star Wars Star Cruiser and uh, the World of Pandora. <laughs> you get a Beatles theme park. Only it's going to be like, uh, he's, he's really going back to his roots and it's going to be horror. <laughs> it just makes, yeah, Dead Alive. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. You can I, actually go into Dead Alive and use your lawnmower to cut up all your loved ones. <laughs> so, back to Get Back. What, what else we got to talk about here, JP? Um, Let's get back to Get Back. <laughs> oh, how about just the music? Like, just, I, I, I mean... I could have used about five more recordings of Get Back. I won't lie. <laughs> I um, will say, yeah, uh, it did get repetitive having to hear the same songs over and over again. Yeah, Get Back and uh, Don't Let Me Down, I think, yeah. were the two, right? Yeah. And to hear that, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's kind of cool to hear some of the incremental changes, but for the most part, it's. <laughs> uh... Yeah. And they did. Didn't they, didn't they perform Get Back like three times on the roof? <laughs> yes. I, I was expecting the entire album to be performed on the roof. Oh, and when they right. kept playing the same songs over. I'm like, what the heck? Cause I thought that, that was the whole idea is they were going to play the whole album on the roof, but they just did the multiple takes of the songs that they had really locked in for the, so they could get multiple, multiple takes of it. I will say one thing purposes. that really sticks out in terms of the creative process, you know, that I'm starting to learn that I, that I wish was more apparent to me when I was, trying to learn how to become a filmmaker which is that like sometimes you just gotta have your own process mm-hmm. sometimes they do just sometimes it, you just gotta like let it out of you like it's something that already exists inside you that you just need to let out like the way he comes up with get back it's just amazing like there was a time when there was no get back and then, then all of a sudden it's just there yeah, within like, like 45 like, seconds, get back some get back emerges. And then it's like a legendary song, like everybody loves. And sure, I mean that comes from years and years and years and years of experience. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I think back to when I was trying to learn how to be a screenwriter, and they really drilled into this process of like, okay, first you need to come up with a log line, then you need to come up with an outline, then you need to come up with uh, 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 um, um, a treatment. And then, and then you can start writing your script. Don't do it without a roadmap, blah, blah, blah. But then I'm starting to learn all these other processes from like all these other people. Like when we talk about Back to the Future, Bob Gale, the way he wrote Back to the Future was just like he came up with the idea. And then he just kind of brainstormed scenes, wrote them down in a note card, put them on the wall, re- rearranged them. He's like, okay, I think we need to have this scene. We'll put that there. It's like the same thing. It's like... I feel like, and we talked about this in our future episode about creativity in our, our riff session, where there's a sort of rigidness that we kind of want to instill in people because there needs to be this, uh, you need to be a prodigy in order to be a successful artist or a, crea- a creative that's, that's worth their salt instead of actually fostering creativity. It's like yeah. we're trying to create a, a, a rigid road for you to walk down instead of just being like no who are you you know what do you you love what do you hate put it out there and then just keep doing it until it's good yeah and that's and and i will say too what was 
I think what I've found fascinating during watching this about the creative process is like the refining process. Yeah. So I remember, what was it? Is it George complaining? Or no, it was John complaining where he was like, if I have to play chords, we're like, I'm going across like five frets. Like that's going to kill me. Right. Like, so they're talking about how the, the, you know, they need to adjust things so that it doesn't, you know, just your physical limitations of your hand in playing an instrument. But I also like the part where there's a part where George and, and Ringo are talking about a song. Maybe it's Octopus's Garden. I don't remember. But they make a comment where they make a comment. Like George makes a comment. He's like, well, we have to have another chord in the progression because you can't go from like an A to a like you can't go from like an A to an F smoothly. I don't remember the exact chords. So, so you need like a chord in the middle to help facilitate the transition. And of course, it has to be within a certain range of notes and all. Like, so it's just kind of cool to see all of that to to consider the way that music as a language works in terms of, um, you know, a, accounting for just the actual mechanics of your hand playing an instrument, hmm. and just how that has to be, or talking about how like you have to use certain vocal inflections because that's how they work with the notation. You can't just say anything. You have to. But that that's just that was just really cool to me. I think that's all part of also understanding what makes like the difference between a pop artist and people who change music is people who have an understanding on a level that's like human in a sense. Like yeah. no, we're human beings, we have to be able to play this, so we need to do it this way. But we can also do it that way and make it sound great and make it work and make it incredible. Like there's a depth in understanding your craft to make it simple yet complex. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. um, so it's like thinking more, making it more like adding more to it in order to make it easier to do. <laughs> and there's something about that. That's like, a, I don't know. There's something there that it's kind of taking out the complexities, these sort of unnecessary complexities, like mm-hmm. smoothing it over. Right. Well, and, and what, a what also you uh, talking about like that with that piece paul mccartney is sort of like a walking encyclopedia of music that was amazing to see how he would just like pull out all these different songs from different artists and talk about what they were doing and um and that again that i think that also establishes the difference between like you said like a pop artist and like a real like craftsman i think my favorite I think my favorite in this, as we're talking about this, one of my favorite lines in the entire documentary is the part where I guess Paul's giving an interview with someone and he talks about the piano and he says, every song that is ever written and ever will be written is in this instrument. Like all of music is in this instrument. That's a, that's a mind blowing thought. Yeah. But he's like, it's right here. All of it, all of music is in this instrument. Well, is your your song ready to go? Yeah, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> how annoying have I been this whole podcast, though? I don't think it's annoying. I like it. See, I'm a finger picker. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's what I like. I don't like using picks. I like I like the, the the pick is a little too hard. I like I like the sound of a I like the sound of a thumb strumming on the strings. It's yeah, that D chord really hurts my finger. Is that the is that a reference to the Garth Brooks thing? The, the devil? <laughs> How did you know? Chuck, you know me too well, man. And that's funny because the D that's the D chord right there. It's on the <laughs> But it's Fred Slacks is a winner. 
two chords right there. Here we go. Just E and I, E and A minor. Here. Are we? Are we? Are we doing another eight hours of hanging out watching somebody create music? Is that what's happening right now? I'm just starting knitting. Like... Start doing calligraphy. <laughs> I'll just start yelling. <laughs> Okay, what you could do though is the soothing can... sounds of Padre. <laughs> Padre. <laughs> That's not really a drop D, but. Okay. What is happening right now? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, all right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something. That's. I hope that's not a real song because I don't recognize it. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just messing around. Okay. You're just that good, guys. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, no, there is no song. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Unless we that's just okay. want to. Oh, here we go. Oh, two chords. Here we go. Here we go. How long does a song have to be for it to be a song? Right? Can it be 15 seconds? Four minutes. That's, that's, that's a jingle. <laughs> Kind of get a little the barracuda strum. Uh, okay, but um, yeah. yeah, I'm not a good improviser. I'm sorry, I can't join in and start singing. I'm not like Dan Harmon and could like free freestyle rap. Not that he was really able to. Um, we got back. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. We need Keelan. Uh, I'll take the pressure off of you. Um, so, guys, 200 episodes. We did it. We made it. Are we done talking usually, about Get Back? Usually, well, if you, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to say. I'm kind of out of things. I don't know. Okay, we've done a 200 song, 200 episode song. Two, oh. 200 episodes, and this is the one that breaks us up. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. But we did it. 200, it is crazy to think. 200 episodes... For a thing that was just like, I sent a text message to Matt. So right. We should have a podcast. Was that, well, I, I, I remember it, I remember unfolding as the three of us. I think we're a Havana hideout. That's what it was. And you started pitching this idea as just sort of a hypothetical. And I remember not having much interest in it because I'm like, I I couldn't I can't do like a religious podcast. I would have nothing to say. Um. So meanwhile, I, we can't get him to shut up for 200 episodes, <laughs> but, but I was in a time in my life where I was obsessed with podcasts. So I liked the idea of doing a podcast and you kind of brought up ideas of like sort of tying in, you know, eighties nostalgia and stuff and the kind of nerd stuff that was kind of taking off at the time. And, uh, I remember thinking, yeah, we should just try it. And I'll be like Jeff Davis in Harmontown, meaning I'm just going to be the guy that sort of asks questions. Right. And gets you guys talking. Yeah, because I think you guys even mentioned like because this is after we had seen the seventy millimeter presentation of Hateful Eight. Yes, and during the during the uh, intermission, you guys started talking across me. I was between the mm-hmm. two of you. And you started talking like behind me and in front of me. It was kind of funny. <laughs> and I think you're like that. Like that of a Seinfeld when they sit at the bar instead of the booth, and yeah. they're like, hey, "Who's talking?" <laughs> I don't know if that was after or before you pitched it. Not sure. Probably, but that, that is sort of because my so my my I remember, I can distinctly remember when the idea popped in my head. I was um I was at the Chapel Saint Andrew in Boca. I was walking into the library, 
And I just had this thought. I was just like, you know what? Because like, I was thinking about, you know, the fact that like master, like the degree of a master in divinity. It's like master of divinity. Like that was always kind of a, that was sort of a joke that a few of us made when we graduated. And so it's like, oh, but let's take that masters of the universe. And I was thinking about the name and I was like, we should have a podcast. And I was thinking about Matt. And I was like, you know what? Well, Matt, Matt's finishing up a degree. I think you were still finishing it up or near finishing it up. And I was like, and, and he's a Baptist and I'm an Episcopalian. And I said, oh, well, maybe we should have a podcast where it's just basically like Matt as a Baptist and me as an Episcopalian talking about various Bible theology sort of things. And we call it master of masters of divinity because we both have those degrees. Though I was incorrect in you having that degree, you have a master's in theology. But um, so I thought masters of divinity, like, oh, that's it. it we're, it's it's going to highlight Matt and I being, you know, our different perspectives on our various, you know, because you had a couple of friends who were running a podcast too. Yeah, two priests in a pod. Yeah, my friends yeah. Jeff and uh, my seminary colleagues Jeff and and, and uh, Jimmy, and uh, it's a very scholarly podcast. It's very yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking about. And then, of course, bringing in JP changed the whole thing, right? Because JP, <laughs> the idea of making it into like a podcast. And then I think yeah, I think it was the hateful eight thing. Matt and I talking, and you were, and I think was it even you who were like, this could be the podcast. I, don't know, I think we all kind of are like, are we podcasting right now? <laughs> yeah. Is the, right. It's like the, you were sort of like the George in that episode of Seinfeld when George is like, this, this, this should be the show. <laughs> yeah. What we're doing right now is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember how it played out, but I'm remembering everything as you're talking about. Other than I do remember Havana hideouts where the idea came up. I don't remember the mm-hmm. night at hateful eight, but I believe I we were pounding sangria. It. I can remember we were going through talking. some, and I can also say that I believe it because now we cannot hang out or talk to each other without podcasting, whether it's <laughs> recording or not. It's what we do. It's true. So. But yeah, we've come a long way. I mean, it, it, it is a milestone for us. Um, <laughs> it is kind of funny, though, because a lot of podcasts just started around the same time we did. They're actually about, like episode 500. <laughs> we, t- we, we had a little a few setbacks along the way, little breaks here and there. We little... take. Hey, man, it's our process. Yeah, it's our process. We have we take a, mar- a meandering. We're the Terrence Malick of, of podcast. There we go. I, one thing about podcasting I don't understand is seasons. Why do people do seasons? Um, probably for their own sanity is my is my conclusion. I, I think. Yeah, because there's one podcast Kane and I listen to called. JP's oh like I was going to suggest seasons. But now I can't. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Chuck. <laughs> I, we, we can I, we can do it. I just I, I just don't understand it because it's not like it's not like a TV show where you have seasons because you you need to block out the time for like the whole process of creating a TV show. It's just us and microphones. I don't know why you need seasons. Um, I mean, one podcast I listen to does seasons. Um, they don't play out that way, but they do take seasonal breaks. But they have work to kind of that's going on while they're you know taking that break. I know a lot of podcasts that do that, but they don't actually take any kind of break. They just yeah, me too. Arbitrarily say like, oh, we're in season three now or whatever. So I just didn't understand, you know, if that's like a thing. If, if we should do that, that'd be pretty funny. This is the last episode of season one. <laughs> Two, 200 episodes and we're as fascinating as ever. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. <laughs> season one in the can, boys. <laughs> <laughs> And we should no. we should end it we should end it with the uh, the, the the music from uh, Best of Both Worlds, season, <laughs> episode one. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, okay. Well, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts I, on Get Back. Or... I feel like we. I feel like we could talk about Get Back more. Probably. The, I mean, because part of this too is that. Uh, part of this too is that this was one of the first music mayhem albums that we ever That's talked true. about was I let forgot it be. to mention i i have not gone back to listen to let it be but i do remember us trying to really really translate like what they were saying secretly to each other <laughs> you know, yeah. like like don't let me down like no man they're saying don't let me down bro don't let me down during this album <laughs> um but i would i'd be really fascinated so maybe whoever's listening uh, maybe you want to go back and listen to our Let It Be Naked um, album review during our first Music Mayhem, which I think yeah. was Matt's pick. Was Matt's pick. And it, was it our first Music Mayhem episode ever? Mm, no, had, I think I think, I think think was number one with Green Day. Did, Dookie. And then we did Let It Be because we were in studio together. Yeah. Let It Be. And then we did um, Graceland. Graceland. Yes, because we were getting back to what we once were. Remember? <laughs> oh, we also talked about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <laughs> yes, because Matt and I went and saw that together and we did like a little thing in the car, like we talked about it. I've definitely come to like the song Dig a Pony way more after watching the documentary. Right. I never listened to Dig a Pony much. It was one of those ones I always skipped, but man, that, that pre-chorus is... Like, all I want is you. It's very, like, Joe Cocker. Oh, yeah. It. We definitely talk about the song in the episode if you want to go back and listen to uh, this Because <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, yeah. Okay, well. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was, like, a weird. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, there's the, there's the, the, the shirtless guy with the guitar just talking <laughs> just about whatever he wants to talk about now. Padre going <laughs> off. Padre going off. Is that my new is that my new name, Padre? Yeah, sure. Why not? The um, Hawaiian the Hawaiian term for a priest is kahu. Really? Mm-hmm. That's good. Nice. Well That's great. No one asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I wanna thank all of our listeners. Um, if you've been listening to us from the beginning, if you've listened to every single episode. Um, good on you, man. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening and for uh, supporting us, uh, whether it's financially, you know, throwing us a few bucks here and there, or just you know being a cheerleader and leaving comments and you know just listening, I guess, and letting us be a part of your life in a way, uh, you know, making that commute a little easier and giving you something to listen to while you uh, do whatever it is you do. We're, we're very glad we could be a part of that, and we're glad to have you with us as we explore these regions of theology and pop culture, even though they're they're pretty exclusive. Like, we haven't really talked about theology in this episode. <laughs> but that's okay. That's what we're all about. We could have we talked about the creative process and creator. And... Yeah, we could have done that. We'll put a pin in that. Let's put a pin in that. We'll circle back. Yeah. Um, so explore that you. with some of our corporate strategy or synergy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll bring it into the fold, you know. Um, so thank you for listening, and um, 
I want to thank Father Chuck for everything. Oh, you're so welcome. And I want to thank Matt for being here. I know people are excited to, to see you come back. Uh, yes. Oh, me of all people. <laughs> um, so <laughs> thank such you for a handsome being devil, here. such a handsome presence. I just love it. Yeah, I appreciate you, Matt. I'm glad you're here. It's fun to record again. Um, oh, thanks. Hey, what so, are we doing next week? Are we, we done record? Are we still recording? I don't know. Is the red <laughs> light on, or did you cover it up? It's in the <laughs> it's in the foyer, uh, filming the cops as they're coming to in the recording got it, now. Got it. Um, so next week, I think we should maybe have a, a riff session. Um, <laughs> I feel that feels very, you know, yeah. that feels very, uh, very like fortuitous. Feels very like prescient. Yeah, I think maybe we should just send it. But we've talked a lot about the creative process in this episode. Maybe next week we can kind of riff on being creative. You know? Yeah. I don't we know. just it almost it almost feels like you already recorded it. I don't know. Feels that. That's way. eerie. That's you know, eerie. When you're on top of things, it just it just kind of feels that way. I, I think. You know, when you when you've been podcasting as long as I have, it just kind of kind of comes out. You know, like. So. What if we decide to be a little proactive and talk about what, what are we going to talk about in two weeks? I don't know. No. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. We're going to talk about Shine a Light by the Rolling Stones. Their lost film. Oh, we didn't talk about the other Beatles movies. Help. Hard Day's Night. Magical Mystery Tour. There, we talked about them. Bye. <laughs> Yellow Submarine. Only one of them has a Criterion release, and that's a Hard Day's Night. So, okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. And to our audience, thank you so much for listening. Uh, everyone, please stay safe out there. Uh, have a wonderful week. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.